0: It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranson. Hi, this is Jeff Cranson, Director of Communications at the Michigan Department of Transportation. And this is the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast, our occasional discussion with people involved in transportation at all levels. Anybody really who uh, has a hand in mobility um, current or past. In this case, I'm talking with Polly Kent, who's the retired administrator of the Intermodal Policy Division at MDOT. Basically, she was the chief policy analyst at the department for many years. Thanks, Polly, for doing this. Thanks, Jeff, for having me here. Yeah. Um, and the reason I wanted to talk to Polly is because not only does she have a, a deep background, and was always a great resource for me in understanding funding issues and all the things that uh, Michigan's been going through really for decades, and trying to get a sustainable funding path for roads and bridges and other modes of transportation, uh, but also because she's kind of a philosophical thinker and she sees these things in, in broad ways um, that I think help inform the conversation. So let's start with, well, first of all, explain what you did um, during your career at MDOT and what did it mean to be the intermodal Policy Division Administrator?
1: Well, I, I certainly loved that job. It was It was great. And I had a great team working for me, which is what made it so wonderful. Um, but there, was always, there were so many challenges, and at, as you said, you know, we've been trying to increase state funding for transportation for decades, really, um, and that was part of what made it exciting
0: for me, because it was a real chance to make a difference. So. Yeah, so talk about then, I guess, how did you make your way here? You grew up in upstate New York.
1: I grew up in upstate New York. I went to a women's college on the East Coast and my junior year. Instead of going abroad to Europe, I went abroad to the Midwest, which is a place I had never visited. So I spent my junior year at U of M.
0: Not too many people do that.
1: No, I know. <laughs> I know. And I mean, you know, they, people talk about those East Coast elites, but really my mother's from New England, born and bred, and like the Midwest is like a foreign planet to her, really. Yeah. Um, so I came out for my junior year. I loved Michigan. and studied was, our people. It was the late 1970s. <laughs> it's, it was a such a wonderful state. Um, and after some... You know, went back to college, finished, moved around a little bit, and then ended up in Michigan, and have been here off and on since the late 1970s. Seems like I'm always out the year they do this census, but I will be here. <laughs> I will be here for the next census. Um, and it's just, you know, I think coming here in the late 1970s, you know, it's a beautiful state. There's so many recreational opportunities, and, and there's a lot of recreation in upstate New York, too. But the difference was, thanks to the unions, Michigan had a lot of jobs that paid very well, and that
0: was one of the reasons why I stayed oh interesting so what kind of as you got into transportation and made your way into policy what what piqued your interest, what made it you know something that that kept you i mean you made a career out of it yeah you
1: know, well yes, you know, so. and um when I first came into the department, I came in um, because of someone I knew who said, you know you need, I, we were working on something just in our neighborhood, we had some sewer flooding, and so we spoke at city council. We wrote um, a letter to the editor of the paper. I I can't even remember what we did now, but the person who was working on this, among among the people that was working on this with me, was a neighbor who was pretty high up at the Department of Transportation. And he said, you know what? You need to come to the Department of Transportation. You should find a job there. And thankfully, I had an economics degree, which is the thing that qualified me to be a transportation planner. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And
0: you had writing skills.
1: Yes. And that, I mean, that was my, that was the thing. That was why he thought I should come here and... Um, yeah, I sort of the writing skills really made a difference for me because that that was something people called upon. And very early on, I was allowed to be involved in some pretty big and important projects as the most junior staff person, because I could write up the report.
0: You yeah, because you could do a white paper in a hurry. Correct. So what happened with the sewer thing?
1: Um, they, they fixed it. They did fix it. Because of your advocacy? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, you all made I'm sure noise. it was on track to get fixed anyway. Yeah. They just sort of accelerated the timeline. But we used to live over by Potter Park Zoo, that Sycamore neighborhood. That's where it was? Okay. Yep.
0: So I guess I'm thinking that because you turned it into a career, you learned a lot along the way. And you were pretty involved, although I think you were off on maternity leave in 1997 when the last gas tax Increase happened. That's right. um, Four cents, and what you crunched numbers later and told me, I think that if that had been twelve, an index for inflation, we probably would have been good from there on. Yes. Yeah. And then, so you were involved again in 2015, um, and when Governor Snyder came in right away and did a special message on infrastructure and said, you know, we need 1.2 billion just for state trunk lines, which somehow morphed into a number for all roads which is very unfortunate because then when the legislature did 1.2 billion in 2015 they said here we solved the problem it's like no we never said 1.2 billion for the locals and the state roads was enough and that you know is kind of what helped get us to where we are now so because you like to look ahead you don't want to look back um talk about your your hand and and it, it, it want to make it clear to people and i have made it clear to reporters along the way that the fixing Michigan Roads Fund plan was not something that MDOT threw out there. We provided data to the state budget office and the governor's office and said, here's what you could do with various amounts of money and here are various scenarios for various fixes. But it was their plan and you know it's a really good plan. I'm happy to, to talk about it because it puts the money where people actually drive. But going forward, you know, what do you think has to happen? Well, I do think that, that is a
1: that fixing Michigan Roads plan is a very good plan and I think that Part of the reason that Michigan is in the pickle that it's in is because we spread the road funding money too thinly. So transportation does two things. On the one hand, it provides mobility. You have your high-volume freeways, speed, high speed, etc. On the other hand, it provides access to land, so rural county roads that drive you know let you drive past farm fields to the one house on that road they're not they're lightly used but they provide access when you look at the state gas tax it makes sense that so much of the access roads should be paid for through a local source rather than a state source because they're providing access to those landowners so property taxes millages for example are a really sound way to pay for local roads. Which is
0: what a lot of townships do and a they lot contribute of townships to their do. county road commission through yes. a township millage. Yeah.
1: Yes, but the the Act 51 funding formula sh- spreads that money so thinly that only 39% comes to the high volume system the state roads and 60 what is it 61% goes to local roads.
0: Yeah, basically if you combine yeah. 22 for cities and villages and 39 for counties. Right. Yeah, that's
1: right. right. So the governor's plan would shift that and put more of the money towards the high-volume roads, which is where the state money should be going to provide mobility for yeah. commerce and recreation. And really, isn't
0: that different from what Bill Rustum, uh, the chief policy advisor to Governor Snyder, had recommended um, in a commercial corridor fund?
1: Right. Yes. It's a very yep. similar. Very concept. similar to that. I mean, that's yeah, and that's you want your state money to be getting the biggest return and that would be to provide that mobility for businesses and you know trucking and tourists
0: so what do you think um, because you talked about property taxes and how that's used at the local level Mm -hmm. in in many places um, i think grand rapids is unusual in that they dedicated an income tax to roads but in most places cities and counties it's it's property taxes Um, but what do you think about this movement some bipartisan support for a local option, which a lot of other states.
1: Oh provide. yeah, I definitely think we need that. I mean, again, but they would be paid for locally. So that makes sense. Yeah. And they could use that for their local roads.
0: So talk about federal funding and what's gone on over the years and, and why the states have had to take this on themselves because they can't count on the federal government. Yeah, so the, the highway federal, trust fund is broken.
1: Yeah, the highway trust fund is broken. I mean, that's the thing that's on the horizon. So the federal gas tax hasn't been in- increased since 1993. That predates even the last state increase. Um, so it's, it's been a while. They're due to raise the federal gas tax, but the political will just is not there. And there's so much chaos in Washington right now. Who knows when they'll get to this? Um, but in 2021... Oh, wait a minute.
0: Isn't it infrastructure week?
1: <laughs> isn't it always infrastructure <laughs> week? Um, actually, I believe this is manufacturing week, according yeah. to the local news. So. Uh,
0: which relies on infrastructure.
1: Exactly. Um, but, but in 2021, the Federal Highway Trust Fund is facing a, a fiscal cliff that has the potential to reduce federal funding to all the states by about 40%. So almost half. And if you think about Michigan taking that kind of hit, that's $400 million a year, less that we would be getting if if the Congress doesn't do something. It
0: would be catastrophic.
1: Yeah. And even the national chamber of commerce, which is not known for promoting tax increases of any kind, has advocated for several years to increase the federal gas tax, five cents a year for five years which would address the fiscal cliff in 2021
0: and provide some additional money, federal money for states, which is sorely needed. But the problem with that, as you know, when you turn the conversation to federal funding is that it allows state lawmakers who don't want to deal with this, you know, who just really don't want to have to take a tough vote or make this decision to say, we just need to wait because the cavalry's coming. Right.
1: But the thing is, I mean, we don't know who's going to be president in 2021 for starters, but one of the first things they'll have to do is make some decision about you know, do I, do I increase the gas tax or not? Um, and, you know, depending on who wins that election, there is a school of thought that might, that potentially the federal government might say, you know what, transportation, we don't need to fund those highways anymore. States, will do away with the federal gas tax. You make up the difference.
0: What's called devolution.
1: Devolution, right. And that would be a terrible thing for Michigan for one reason. I mean, not just because the legislature would be so reluctant to raise the gas tax, But also because at the state level, the funding is distributed 39% to the the high-level system and 60% to the rest. At the federal funding is distributed 75% to the high-level system and 25% to the locals. And that's in state law.
0: So there might be people listening who think, you know, local, 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 you know, home rule. We should be able to do whatever we want to do, take care of our own. And they would probably support this devolution concept. Why, why should you know, the s- central government in Washington be responsible for funding our roads? Can you make the case for why we have a federal highway system and why we need to know that, you know, that there's a federal highway system? In well, terms the, of-
1: I mean, the federal highway system came about in the first place because they wanted a system that would be nationwide, consistent from state to state. That, and people, I mean, I've traveled from here to the west coast and from here to the east coast on our interstates down to Florida, Every, lots of people have done that. And it's consistent from state to and state. the reliability. Yeah. Yes, it's, I mean, and that's really important for commerce. For safety
0: statewide. and for ease yep. of travel. And, yep. Yeah, all those reasons. So,
1: so then having the federal government involved in it, I mean, maybe now that the system is established, they could make the argument that they don't need to be as involved. I think you still want to have federal standards, consistency on a national level um, so I think there would still be call for some, some aspect of federal...
0: So this presents one thing that's been kind of a dilemma for you that we talked about over the years because, you know, even though I haven't been with the department that long, I remember as a journalist writing about the donor state issue. Mm. And Michigan truly was a donor state for many, many years. Yes. And there was a lot of pork brought home by certain committee chairmen, usually in the Northeast, who managed right. to have the committee assignments that got money for their states. Um, so you spent a lot of time trying to educate the public on that issue and make the case that we deserve you know, every bit of what we send to Washington back in Michigan, yep. but that hasn't been an issue for a decade now. Right,
1: because, because of this Highway Trust Fund issue, which uh, something like $150 billion over the last decade of federal general funds have been put into the Highway Trust Fund to keep it stable. Um, so no, no state is a donor state anymore because we're all getting back more money than we're putting in. The gas tax is just not as reliable as it
0: used to be. But among the top, you know, four or five myths that we deal with, um, that's gotta be we still, to... yeah, you know, most people still think that we're a donor state. Yeah. We're yeah. sending more to Washington than we're getting back.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, we did too good a job of educating people, I guess, about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the case. Yeah. So, um, talk about, the, you know, some people are bringing up again, mm. pushing for studies and there's uh. even legislation in for tolling. Do you think tolling could ever, you know, be part of the solution in Michigan?
1: I think tolling will have to be part of the solution, quite honestly, unless something dramatic changes. I mean, you know, I don't, my crystal ball isn't working so well necessarily, but there are a lot of alternative futures that I can see. And I think on some level, the game has changed a little bit because of climate change. And at the state level, you know, people are reluctant to raise the gas tax 45 cents to fix the roads. You know what? Raise the gas tax 50 cents. Use the extra nickel to plant trees on right of way all across the state and 50 cents a gallon will keep people from driving so much and will help the climate. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made for that.
0: Oxygen talking about with the trees. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Carbon sequestration. Yeah.
1: So I think MDOT is one of the largest landowners in the state. And certainly the state of Michigan is right. the largest landowner. Sure. And I have I have seedlings growing in my yard that I have nothing to do with, and I can't, I don't know, I want to give these trees away because we need to plant more trees. <laughs> we-
0: uh reminds me of, I, I don't know who this quote is attributed to, but you remember uh, uh, Bradford Mallory, the guy from Pennsylvania who came in because they had been successful in achieving a true transportation fix. Right. And he talked about that that proverb about a society grows great when men plant trees and whose shade they'll never sit. Yes. Yeah. That's what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, when the the Brazilian rainforest was in the news, I'm sure it's still burning, but it's not so much in the news these days. I saw an editorial in the New York times by someone who was an ambassador from Brazil. Um, and he, he referenced the deforestation of Europe. Europe had just the European Union had just offered to give them $25 million to help combat the fires and he was a little insulted by that pittance and also pointed fingers at Europe saying, you know, you used to have forests too. And it made me think about Michigan. And when I moved here in the late 70s, I'm old enough to remember when the Meridian Mall in Okemos was a Woolworth and a Kmart surrounded by cornfields. Now it's a mall surrounded by parking, surrounded by subdivisions and big box stores. And all of that used to be cornfields. And before it was cornfields, it was trees.
0: Right. That's true. And you could point to that pretty much anywhere, anywhere south of US-10 in Michigan and even yep. some places up north. Yeah, yep. that's a good point. So I guess um, when I think about other solutions and, you know, whether we're going to get to vehicle miles travel, mm. you know, let alone tolling, some of those other things, mm-hmm. um, make the case for the gas tax being the most practical thing that we can do, at least right now. Well, we know. I mean, it's certainly the
1: most practical thing we can do right now because it's, it's already well-established. It's uh, you know a simple process. Once you raise the gas tax, collect it, and the funding is distributed. It's it's all it was, it's much easier fix. Even though it's a challenge to raise the gas tax as much as we need to, it's certainly easier than. I mean, we could implement tolling. We would need enabling legislation. There would be some construction costs. For, to people would have to get transponders. So it, that would be a more arduous shift. But a lot
0: easier than it used to be. Yes, because of because that. Because you wouldn't because have of to that have technology. Have toll you yeah
1: transponders and the gantries overhead I mean people who've driven to Chicago or to Illinois we've you know you've used those toll roads they have them in Florida too I know so don't you just I
0: mean I've, I've seen this I've been at enough town halls and enough meetings and enough public forums it's like does anybody want tolling no, no. Do you want the gas tax raise no do you want better roads yes yeah <laughs> so how's that gonna happen what do you do yeah right yeah um, I was hoping that with some time so <laughs> retirement, these few months that you've been away, that you would have had this figured out and you would have a solution now. Yeah, no, I'm
1: obsessing about climate change now, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, But, yeah, the, the vehicle miles traveled thing, that's another thing. That, I mean, other states in the west, in the west part of the country, they are doing this. Um, it's voluntary, that, but I think with an eye to someday everybody reporting their vehicle miles traveled and paying their taxes that way for roads, I think that's very doable here. Especially um,
0: with, you know, the move to electrification. I mean, we've got our biggest auto makers here in Michigan that are, they're you know, going all in on electric vehicles. Right, so. right. And, I, you know, when you talk about electric vehicles, and so
1: there there's more erosion of the gas tax. Talk about connected and automated vehicles. One of the big attractions, and the car companies are moving forward with that as well, one of the big attractions is that you the safety aspect. So there's a lot of weight built into vehicles now for safety purposes, right. that if the computer were controlling the safety and they were not likely to hit anything, you could make the vehicles lighter, which would increase the gas mileage. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's a great thing. Once again, you would eliminate crashes and, right. and greatly eliminate crashes and and fatalities from crashes. but. But the it's also a great thing lighter. from the
1: perspective of the automakers, because you know a lighter vehicle costs less to yeah, make.
0: Most of, the, most of the weight in the vehicle is for safety, right. is to protect us. So right. yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. So, but it sounds like you're pretty much where most people are after they spin their heads and look into all kinds of things. It's like right now the gas tax is still the most- Yeah, thing I mean, and really,
1: so, and also given that fiscal, federal fiscal cliff that's looming, the Highway Trust Fund, I mean, really, I think the state should not, we can't afford to wait because who knows what's going to happen at the federal level. I guarantee they're not going to raise the gas tax 50 cents. But um, in the meantime, we have to do something. We have to. If they, if they do the devolution, which seems like a genuine possibility, we have to be ready for that.
0: So as you and I have discussed a number of times, uh, some states like Pennsylvania, uh, very, I think, forward-thinking, uh, passed a sustainable gas tax and tied it to inflation so that the legislators don't have to keep going back to this all the time because they're tired of it too. They're tired of their transportation departments and their advocates from around the state coming in and saying, you got to do something. Our roads are falling apart. Our bridges are falling apart. In Pennsylvania, bridges were an especially bad problem. But you'd think you'd get to the same point in Michigan where they'd think, you know what, can we just do something once and for all so we don't have to talk about this anymore? And I really think of it like uh, the, the Public Service Commission, you know, who decides on utility rates and DTE and consumers' power don't have to go to the legislature to keep the lights on. So why do transportation agencies have to go to the legislature to keep roads paved?
1: So, and um, the 21st Century Infrastructure Commission under Governor Snyder. Which Schneider, you helped staff. I mean, would, yeah, I helped staff. Um, their recommendation of a Michigan Infrastructure Co- Commission, Co- Co- yeah, council. Yeah, the, the MIC. The MIC. So that is just getting started. But I think there was some thinking when they proposed creating that, that at some point that would be the organization that would determine those kinds of things. So it would go to the legislature and say, we need a rate hike for transportation. Or maybe the legislature would bestow that rate-making power on the Michigan Infrastructure yeah. Commission
0: Nobody knows Council. who the PSC is. Right. Nope, nobody right. comes and protests when our you know electric rates go up. Or if they do, I haven't seen them.
1: I mean, the companies come and they make the case for the rate increase and the PSC considers it and,
0: you know. usually says yes. Usually (laughs) they say yes,
1: although sometimes
0: they don't. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Well, that's good. I think uh, we'll do this again sometime (laughs) if you decide to stay in the state. But I appreciate you taking the time to talk about these things. Well, and Jeff, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.